Welcome to the Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Podcast on Radio Free Nashville 107.1 and 103.7 and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. In my humble opinion, I don't see them actively supporting the agenda of the people. Um, I, I work with Black Nashville Assembly uh, all last year, all of 2020, in the beginning of um, 2019. And the council just, they look at, they don't take them seriously. These mm-hmm. are very bright, driven young people who are volunteering hours upon end to try to change the the city for people who need the greatest support to sustain themselves here. Um, change the way the city polices community of color. Change what should be happening in our in our schools to educate minority children, especially in the urban core. All the health care, all the things that we all should deem important, but the council does not seem to want to take these young people seriously. Um, yes, they are passionate, you know, and they've, and, and they've got a lot of fire in them, but they literally are not taking them seriously enough. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not. That was Jackie Sims, activist, housing advocate, and executive director of PATH Nashville. And we're going to talk to her today and about issues, challenges, Biden, and lots of other issues as we begin our celebration of Black History Month. But first, my name is Jim Wolgamuth, and I'm here with fellow Vietnam veteran Harvey Bennett. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. Just go to veteransforpeace.org. This show is on stations across the country thanks to Pacifica Radio Network. We're also on SoundCloud, Anchor Podcast, Spotify, and on your phone podcast app. Just search Veterans for Peace. The Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee, bringing some common sense in a bipolar world of American politics. Go to greenpartyoftennessee.org. So this is the 7th February we've had on our show. And from the very beginning, we have taken this month to take a break from the chaos going around us to celebrate, honor, and study Black history. Over the years, we've heard words of civil rights icons from James Bevel to Marion Barry. We have related hidden histories from Tulsa to Orangeburg. We've talked to local activists from Amber Sherman to Benny Overton to Lamont Hill. And today we're asking Jackie Sims to return to our show to talk about and update us. So on with the show. You've been on a couple of times. And so welcome back to the show. Good to be back. Good to be back. It's been been long overdue. And uh, you were on in 2017, just after the Women's March, and I got a seven-minute clip I want to share. I I played some of it. Yeah. Oh, you did? I did. Good deal. Good deal. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share it. Yeah, we'll try and we'll try and bring it forward. We'll try and bring it forward. So here it is. Well, I consider myself um, just a a, a regular person in community who has made a conscientious choice to become engaged. I moved here nine years ago. Um, I knew I was going to be active in some capacity in community. I, I came with a service orientation. I met Dr. James Lawson, sat under him in training for about a year. And then I discovered that community organizing <clears throat> was was the thing that I would be doing. And it's it's what I do and what I hope I will continue to do as long as I have strength in my body to do so and to have a voice. Um, I've worked with several grassroots organizations. I continue to work with grassroots organizations. I've worked with several nonprofits. Um, as an organizer, and I like to work as close to the people on the ground as possible. Um, 
I, I spoke <clears throat> about the importance and the power of conversation, listening. Um, I got on the schedule to speak because I was with um, the group that started the conversation sitting around, what do we do now? How do we, how do we respond to um, this new president? And some of the things that, you know, he is saying that are in somewhat contrary to our sentiments about what community should look like. Um, I'm most concerned about the least of these. I came to the table because I work with homeless and I work with those who have been recently incarcerated. So I'm, and I also work with those who have the challenge of affordable housing. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. So it was important for me to be at the table when we begin to talk about what next and, you know, how do we organize to confront this? Um, so listening sessions is around the state of Tennessee is what I have chosen to do. That will be my little contribution to um, <clears throat> community's response to this new presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, I intend to travel the entire state starting this week for the next seven months listening to the voices of people. I'm not going with preconceived no, you know, ideas about who people are or why they voted the way they voted. I'm not sitting in judgment um, about people's votes. I just want to hear from people. I want to engage in conversation. I want to listen more than anything so that I can better understand as a citizen um, and as a community organizer where my next role is. Um, now, so under, un, un, really, yeah, okay. Under the umbrella or under the, um, well, what, as part of what organization are you going to be traveling across the state? Or um, are you just going to do it? Tennessee, primarily under Tennessee Alliance for Progress, I have been consistently associated with TAP mm-hmm. um, since 2008 when I first moved here. Um, with all the different grassroots organizations and the nonprofits that I've worked with, TAP is been the one constant. Uh, TAP is a statewide organization, and I hope that um, by engaging in these conversations across the state of Tennessee, it will regenerate more interest, more excitement, more people becoming involved um, with Tennessee Alliance for Progress and the good work that they have done over the past over 15 years now. So that's an intro to Jackie, and then I talked to her about her speech. My concern is, as women, um, we have stories. We have varied stories. We have stories that are amazing and beautiful and inspiring. We have stories that are sad and, and, and tragic and difficult to tell. But I believe that there's power in all those stories. And I, it is my hope that women will use their stories as a source of strength to connect with one another and to connect with organizations across the state of, across the state of Tennessee to find their niche where they can use their voice and their story to <clears throat> make the greatest effort in, in trying to repair a lot of the fracture, a lot of the, the, the viciousness um, that's been generated over the, this past campaign. Um, we, we can do better than this as a nation. And I think that women can play, as great communicators, can play um, a really huge and critical role in um, bringing about better conversations so that we can produce better stories about who we are as Tennesseans and who we are as Americans. Okay. And then, then you would translate or try to translate those stories into, 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 into action, into into positive action, Mm -hmm. um, for 
those who are homeless, for those who are marginalized, for those who are coming back into community out of incarceration, for those who, you know, even though they're holding down jobs, still can't manage to afford a home for their families in a lot of the cities like Nashville. Mm -hmm. Um, For college, you know, for all who want to go to college, for good schools in all of our communities, I want us to be in conversation about these things that are really important and really fundamental to us having um, a strong state Mm -hmm. and a strong nation. So what I'm hearing and what I've heard from the newscasts and what I saw at the, the march itself, this, the march, the marches all across the country, all across the world, was not just about women's rights. It was about human rights. Yes, I I, I agree. Yeah. So it, it's it, about fundamental human rights. So Jackie, there you were. Yeah. Five years ago. Wow, time flies. It it <laughs> really does. Are you still a member of TAP? Are you still working with TAP? Um, I'm not a member, but I talked to Grace, and I talked to Nell. Um, all the time. Grace is now the board chair. Grace and yeah. I are good friends. So, and I talked to Dan. And that's Grace Gadsden and yeah, Grace Nell Gadsden. And Dan and I have worked together on some projects um, at Vanderbilt. So I'm and in that's touch. Dan Jaranko. Yes, Dan Jaranko. Right. So I'm in touch with um, longtime buddies and colleagues and, and members um, of TAP so that I, I keep up with what's going on. But when I took over PATH as exec- as executive director, um, I had to pull back on mm-hmm. a lot of activities that I was engaged in. Yeah. And what does PATH stand for? That is People's Alliance um, around transit, affordable housing, and equitable employment. Those are all intersecting issues. Inter- exactly. So it's five years hence from when we yes. talked that last time. Um, uh, what? Where are we? Well, I can say I didn't make all 95 states, but I did get a chance to do traveling, not just around Tennessee, but I actually did some extensive tra- traveling across the Southeast. Um, and I was paying closest attention to housing equity. Mm-hmm. Um, I got involved with um, a Southern Alliance of about 13 states with an organization out of Mobile that's been in existence for about 10 years now. Um, I spoke at their 10th conference um, this past April, April of 2020. And... Um, <clears throat> And began to, since Biden has come in office, um, I was very concerned about how he would begin to respond to um, the crisis uh, around affordable housing. And he's had some good things to say. Um, Not enough has been done. Um, He still has some more time to make some inroads. But um, I I wanted to talk to a lot of leaders in various states in the Southeast. I think I went from Texas over to Georgia, up through South Carolina, North Carolina, um, Kentucky, Alabama, spent a lot of time in Alabama, spent a lot of time in Mississippi, Mm -hmm. Um, just throughout the Southeast, talking to people, persons who like me, are executive directors or or leaders in their community um, trying to make some inroads in in the whole issue of lack of affordable housing in their various cities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Has has there been any progress over the last five years? Not, Not of any consequence, not that I can see. Right. Um, I'm sitting here literally with about 25 articles all around me on the floor. Um, I'm constantly researching, digging, um, talking to people. Um, 
in various organizations. I, I, I remain involved with two national organizations, Policy Link and Praxis, and they spend a lot of um, time and energy centered on um, all the adverse um, effects in community from housing insecurity. And it's, it's much more devastating um, than what I realized especially the mental health piece. I, mm -hmm. I think this past year, that has been something that has really stood out to me, mm -hmm. um, what the trauma, um, the trauma that's created in many lives due to housing insecurity. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think we need to begin to look more closely at how in housing insecurity impacts lives um children especially um i don't know maybe we would do more if we looked at it more broadly than i think we do yeah i was out canvassing this morning i'm and i had some frustrating issues um you know with another organization i i, I sometimes wonder if people need to go to some kind of training to better understand what organizing should look like. So that, that, so along with being a little fatigued, I was also very frustrated, but I got a chance to, to talk to a, a young man that was out canvassing at River Chase for the first time. Um, I don't like the, um, the spirit of organizing in the city anymore, Jim. I don't. Yeah. Um, it is self, it's selfish, it's self-centered. It's about all these individual agendas that people have. Um, to me, they're not, their first priority is not to the service of the people who need them most, um, the least of them. Um, everyone just seems to be working, um, to have a presence, you know, on social social media, a following. Um, ooh, it just, I just find it so distasteful. Um, I believe in, in using social media and using it responsibly and honestly, um, not as a PR machine, um, but a true reflection of the work that you really are doing. It, it, it's, it's very impactful to the people that I thought we were supposed to be putting ahead of our own self-interest. And I don't see that enough. And it's, it's very distressing to me. It really is. Um, you, do you want to get into any specifics or you want to leave it there? Or, or, um, I mean, yeah, well, I, first of all, I had a question. What were you canvassing for? Well, I really wasn't canvassing. I have been charged with the relocation of residents who presently live at River Chase to find them adequate housing elsewhere. Sustainable housing is what I'm looking for um, because they're going to level that apartment complex. Yeah. So, you know, I'm taking the time to really get to know the people that I'm moving understand what their needs are, um, which of those needs I can address and prioritize them and help them make a transition to a better place so they can begin um, a life with some investment having been made um, in them. So this is, I mean, this is very serious um, for me to move the persons that I've been tasked to move as responsibly as I can, as I can. So that takes a lot of time and a lot of attention and a lot of caring. Mm -hmm. And so the, the other group or the people that you were out there that made you frustrated. They were out there taking surveys. And I asked one of the, the leaders, I'm like, what for? Well, we want to see how the people are doing. I said, they're doing bad. That's how they're doing. They're yeah. under duress. Yeah. That's what's going on. 
they're trying to deal with the tyranny of the urgent, which is they've got to move out of here. And you're taking a survey to find out how they're doing. And, and what were they going to do with this survey? That's what I asked. And what are you going to do with the information that you're extracting from them now? I know what they're going to do. They're going to make a pretty, same thing they did last time about two months ago. They made a beautiful, glossy um, presentation uh, to share with not them, but with other people out in, you know, the progressive land. So, so they could display work, which was all about nothing. It truly is all about yeah. nothing. All about nothing. And so it's about a dog and pony show. Yeah. And, and, and we so easily, people so easily do that to the poorest of the poor think that you can just knock on their doors any old time and, and, and fill out a survey like you have nothing else to do. And we don't do that to other people. We do it to the poor. Yeah. Especially when it's going nowhere. It's going nowhere. And I asked her, I said, and how is this going to impact these people in the present set of circumstances that's taking place in their life right now? What, 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 are, you, what are you doing? I think sometimes they fail short, fall short, and in connecting with the people that they express great concern over. Yeah. They're not connecting with them. Yeah. They're not building relationship with them. But they're extracting information from them to create these glossy pieces that they disseminate but what's it doing for the people? Nothing. Right. Nothing so of would, any consequence. Nothing. Would, would they take this to the mayor and ask the mayor to do something? And <clears throat> would the mayor then do anything? What has the mayor been doing, Jim? Nothing. Nothing. What did the previous administration do about affordable housing? Nothing. And maybe what did the one before that do. Yeah. Maybe throw maybe throw or pr promise to throw some money at the Barnes Fund. Barnes Fund. Well, yeah, yeah which isn't enough to 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 house one, two. Yeah, it's just the <coughs> thing that the thing that Noah should have been doing all these years, you know, while they were trying to build their power is forcing the mayor, the city to find a steady stream of income to feed into that Barnes Fund and grow it. Because yeah. it continues to be, you know, not enough money to do much of nothing. I understand Amazon has given, you know, quite a few, quite a bit of money um, to it, which is good. Uh, but um, you just can't wait for one extraordinarily mm -hmm. uh, wealthy um <laughs> corporation to to dump a bunch of money so then they can then do whatever it is that they want to do after they've dumped a bunch of money yeah, they give the money they have, they want control yes they do and credit that's absolutely <laughs> right. to, to just be quiet and let us do what we do take this take this change yeah. amazon is change change this so. change this some change for them I don't want to um, point fingers and judge. I want people to be more conscientious of what they're doing yeah. and, and how it may impact the people that we should all be serving in our own different capacities. But basically we all, we're all serving the least of these. Exactly. And we've exactly. got to keep their interests ahead of our interest and we've got to try and find a way to actually do something yeah. i'm and living in charleston south carolina i've been here for almost two and a half years uh, we moved down from nashville because of mm -hmm. it's down here but i learned that uh, charleston has the highest eviction rate in the country that doesn't you know, I love Charleston, but I can see that. My daughter went to college of Charleston for yeah. four years. Yeah. 
Well, it's, you know, it's the tale of two cities. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so much yeah. poverty and then so much wealth. <laughs> yeah. And increasingly, Nashville is also the tale of two cities. Yes. Um, most people don't know the other city because it requires wanting to find and connect with the people that live in the other city. Um, mm -hmm. And most people really don't want to do that. It, it's it's better, I think, for most of us to be out of sight and out of mind, mm -hmm. which is sad. Um, it lessens one's accountability um, when you don't know because mm -hmm. you didn't care to go look. Right. Right. And the motivation in Charleston and the leadership tends to be more related to how uh, the lack of affordable housing, uh, homelessness impacts the tourist business. <laughs> they don't, yeah, they don't want the tourists seeing that, you know, it's, it's not good for their image. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I don't know about Whatever, the you know, if, if that means they'll build affordable housing, that's fine. But I know. You know, that happening. What <laughs> does it? Yeah. Yeah. Who has gone into a restaurant here in Nashville and only part of the restaurant is open because they can't get or maintain their employees. Right. Yeah, oh, for sure. They can't afford to live in Nashville. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How has COVID been impacted? Well, how did lack of housing impact COVID and how did COVID impact uh, the lack of housing? The only good thing that COVID did for housing was the enormous amount of money that came into the city via the federal government. Um, I think uh, MAC, Metro Action Commission, probably got somewhere around 35,000, maybe, I mean, million, maybe more. Mm -hmm. um, our organization for the entire summer up through probably the 1st of November, we were in court every week, several times a day. So we were working very closely with people who were um, on the list to be evicted, uh, which also required us to work closely with legal aid, um, with Judge Bell's legacy court, as well as Metro Action Commission to try to connect people with, um, with all the resources that were out there. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, Mel Fowler Green, who was with Metro Action Commission, she has, uh, I mean, Metro Human Relations Commission, she's recently left and gone into pre private practice. Um, she reached out to PATH in June, no, latter May, because a lot of people were not coming to court. And when they weren't showing up at court, to court, they were automatically um, in the line to be evicted. Mm -hmm. So because they weren't aware, because the city did a very poor job, in my humble opinion, and really advertising um, all the dollars that were available to help people pay their rent. So mm -hmm. we had to spend every weekend knocking on doors all over the city mm -hmm. and the county and then be in court from Monday to, to, to Friday to make sure that people were connecting with the appropriate organizations so they could um, secure their funds. The COVID rental assistance in South Carolina was made so difficult to apply for. The yes. State, you know, just it was cumbersome. Drew up this process that, you know, was a nightmare unless you could navigate computers and, and you know. And, and the governor, um, he, he, he's shown no true genuine interest to me in um, alleviating, you know, making significant inroads, even with all the money of the money that mm -hmm. flooded into the state, they're still sitting on a ton of money. Yeah. yeah. And that's Governor and Bill Lee. How they want to use it. Yeah. yeah. McMaster's doing the same thing in South Carolina. He wanted to use part of the money for private schools. Oh my gosh. Some of the yeah. most, you know, Ashley, whatever it is, Hall and all these places. Right. They're, they're, you know, so how can they do that? I, I'm not understanding if the money was targeted to be spent on a specific, specific purpose, purpose. How do they do that? 
how can the governor sit on the amount of money that he's sitting on millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars they want to spend it on highways i was thinking i'd heard that nashville had bought new police cruisers with some of the money i heard that too maybe that's on public safety (laughs) that brings up you know we've talked a little bit about housing and you know not going very far and since we talked um since we talked in in the nashville area and nationwide we had Jacques Clemens, we had Daniel Hambrick, and yeah. then we had all the we had the huge marches on behalf of George Floyd with right. um, Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Arbery kind of filling yeah. in. And I see absolutely no progress. I mean, yeah. th- thank goodness they they put the put those guys that killed Ahmad Arbery in in jail, but beyond that. There's no legislation. There's no police reform that I have seen. Have you seen any? You're closer. Not, no, not enough. We love our systems, Jim, and we don't want to, we don't want to, we we want to disturb them as little as possible. Right. Uh, How's the Community Oversight Board doing in Nashville? I know I was, uh, I was asking you to join us right now of electing, um, the new slate of persons for for this year but you're too busy oh yeah i have no time mercy me yeah Mm -hmm. i i i I keep up with community oversight now we continue with our um our whatsapp so we 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 stay engaged um on what's happening and their their authority strictly is monitoring though they right they have no ability to sanction not yeah, pretty much that's all they say. Pretty powerless. Yeah. Uh, Nat, uh, Charleston has taken a different tack. We've been involved, my wife and I, with uh, a group called CAGEM in Charleston Area Justice Ministry. I don't know if you were in touch with any of them on your travels, mm-hmm. but uh, they've done some really good work around poverty issues and uh, <clears throat> their business with the racial profiling. They had a they, they demanded an independent audit right. of the Charleston Police Department. And, good. and they got one, but uh, the, the downfall of that, and it was you know, very revealing, but there was no funding or, or plan for implementation to change the things that you found on your audit. It's those systems they don't want to change. But yeah, you all were right to almost be forced to do something because of that awful shooting at the church. Oh yeah, yeah, Dylan Roof. But I mean, there's so much else that you don't hear about. Yeah. But, uh, and then we did the North Charleston, Charleston City, separate police department, North Charleston. Right, and I'm familiar North, with North, North Charleston. North Charleston extends, is part of it's in Charleston County, part, part of it's in Dorchester County. Right. So we've been to a bunch of their city council meetings around the same audit they fought it tooth and nail but they finally knuckled under and, and allowed it to happen and they allowed uh, people to have enough input into who was going to do it because they wanted to use this police something or other <laughs> organization that was uh-huh. uh you know not going to say anything bad about the police so we got a, a no. good group to do it no but then the council didn't do anything to help uh, in terms of getting uh, the local citizens to give input, uh, and, you know, they would be the natural ones to publicize it, you know, and and. Well, if we waited on our council <laughs> to, to show some real initiative, yeah, it doesn't happen. You are listening to our interview with Jackie Sims of PathNashville.org. Do you think people don't do more because? They don't think it's going to matter, although I don't think that should be the case. But yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot of people in North Charleston, we tried to get people to come to city council meetings to talk, and a few did, but most people were afraid to. Sure. Yeah. Because, you know, they figured they, there would be some kind of repercussion for that. Some retaliation. Yeah. yeah. Or some watch lists. Sure. Well, yeah, you, you know. 
Well, I tell you that uh, social media, uh, our grandson was at, active with the local Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he was, he just had an act for it. And, and one of the local TV stations, you know, he was in high school at the time. Uh, and uh, so he had some exposure and he got, you know, death threats and all this other stuff yeah, through social yeah. media. I mean, it was horrible. And he's a 17 year old freshman in college. I mean, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't know where we're headed, guys. I'm really well, you know, you look back that summer of George Floyd. Yeah. And in Nashville, I was really proud of the young people who basically occupied just the base of the Capitol. Right. For months. No, 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 no. For months. Really and 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 what do we get from the state legislature? We get, they just passed a law or recently that outlaws critical race theory. They, out, they passed a law that says teaching about racial history is now, um, is now illegal in Tennessee to teach black history to, you know, so this is the response we get. The public comes out in numbers Yes, but but the white supremacists within our within our within our state legislature here in Tennessee and, you know, Tennessee doesn't make the national news very often, but when it no. does, it's an embarrassment. But and so we're kind of an uh, an outlier and we're, un, you know, under the radar. But um, we we make all these uh, we have these protests and we have kids um, occupying we did get the Nathan Bedford Forest out of the cap Capitol, yes. but, okay. you know, thank God for a symbolic victory. But when it comes right down to it right now, to me, things, things are getting worse. I agree with you, Jim. I agree. And I'll give you an example. I remember when we were working on the community oversight board, we met with then um, Senator ooh, Senator Bell, mm -hmm. um, who was who was really pleasant to work with, and and he listened, he heard us, um, he even helped us. Well, I just went before the Senate Committee on Redistricting, where Bell was the chair. And he was like an entirely different human being. They yeah. were stoic. They may as well have done this. Put their, put their put their fingers, their fingers in your ears. In their, um, who was it? Jeff Yarborough did a brilliant presentation on oh, what a fair map could look like. Mm -hmm. And they didn't hear him. Some of them didn't even look at him. Right. And they just voted no on everything across the board. Senator Gilmore did another brilliant presentation where she all but pleaded with them. She told them that she was embarrassed yeah. at their behavior. And it was embarrassing. But I couldn't believe what Senator Bell has transformed into since the, the community oversight um Mm -hmm. battle when he was congenial, when he listened, um, he made concessions um, with us to, to help that become a reality. But in the age of, uh, it's still the age of Trump for them. Still the well, age think, of Trump. I think for a lot of Tennessee legislators, uh, it's like a lot of people in uh, some of my Metro Schools administration that used to drive my wife crazy. She said right. their job, as far as they're concerned, is to keep their job. Yeah. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and, and, and speaking That's of it. speaking of keeping their job, and you're, you mentioned the redistricting, just to let people know that are listening in Maine or in Washington or in Oklahoma or wherever, the Tennessee state legislature redrew our congressional map that took a blue area, a, a, a kind of a blue island around Nashville, Nashville and cut it into three sections. Yes. So that now eliminates the seat that was occupied by Jim Cooper, who is who's no great shakes. 
No great <laughs> no. shakes as far as a legislator. No. And, and he was going to get a primary challenge. But now he doesn't have a district. And it's hard to say what's going to happen with those three pieces. We have no idea. Yeah. There will be a lawsuit, though, Jim. Well, there will be a lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Lawsuit. Now, who's, who's going to file the lawsuit? Um, I know that my organization is a partner with the state conference of the NAACP. Uh, I think the leadership conference may be the key legal entity that's filing the lawsuit, um, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. If, if you want to know more on that, talk to Dr. Franklin. He has probably played the lead key role. You would think it would be some of our state legislative people, not they don't know enough to right. do anything. Um, but, and Dr. Franklin is associated with the NAACP. Um, he, the state NAACP, we okay. both are on an executive committee with the state NAACP. Mm-hmm. Because this is white, I mean, this is white supremacy and voter suppression. Yep. What they just did. I mean, gerrymandering Absolutely. to keep, gerrymandering to, you know, kind of rig the vote. So that you get, um, uh, you know, so that you get, yeah, this is, this is clear the way they did it. This is clearly voter suppression because if you can, if you can uh, cut up the inner city vote within, within Nashville into three minor pieces, then that takes voices away. The black voice and neutralizes it. Yep. Completely away. Jackie, we meant we talked about homelessness and um, uh, that goes along with income disparity and and debt. And uh, what's the status from your standpoint as far as um, the 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 people of color, the people, the poor people, how are they doing is Tennessee? Uh, what is Tennessee terrible. trying to do to, okay, terrible. And nothing. Do you know what the the amount that is said now that one needs to sustain in, at least in this city, the city of Nashville, what, it requires about an $80,000 income. An $80,000 income to live in a... In Nashville. Yeah. In kind of a uh, smaller, second type, second tier, not a big city. No. By any means. No. Not a a Chicago, not a D.C., not not a a Philadelphia, but it takes Mm $80,000 just to live here. And that's a single person. And I think it's 84,000 to be. Yeah. What's the status of our of our city government? Our what are they doing? Um, I personally, I have relationships, um, fairly good ones with a, a few council people. Um, I hate to say it, but none of them are black. Um, I, I think our black caucus in the, in the city council is weak. Um, I think they're too dependent on the, um, the structure in the city to, get them where they're trying to go uh, to support their campaigns. They're not, Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion, I don't see them actively supporting the agenda of the people. Um, I I work with Black Nashville Assembly uh, all last year, all of 2020, in the beginning of um, 2019. And the council just they look at, they don't take them seriously. These mm-hmm. are very bright, driven young people who are volunteering hours upon end to try to change the the city for people who need the greatest support to sustain themselves here. Um, change the way the city polices community of color change what should be happening in our in our schools to educate minority children especially in the urban core all the health care all the things that we all should deem important but 
the council does not seem to want to take these young people seriously. Um, yes, they are passionate, you know, and they've, and, and they've got a lot of fire in them, but they literally are not taking them seriously enough. Mm -hmm. They're, they're not. Is it just the fact that there maybe isn't enough young people? There could be more. There could be far more. Um, they've got a respectable following, but not the following they need because that's, that's the only thing they're going to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. They show up at council meetings. Um, they're on the, the council Zoom calls. Um, they're engaging uh, council members. They have assembly meetings of people in the community on a regularly scheduled basis. Um, they're doing all that they know yeah. to do, but they don't have enough people behind them right. to make, to force the council to pay attention to you know, all that they're asking the city to do. Yeah. Even though everything that they're asking is legitimate. Sure. I think just through their own observations and their own life experience, they've come to not see electoral politics as the way to <coughs> change. Well, these don't. You're, you're right. They don't. I, 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 hear, I hear them speak to that. Right. Yeah. And, so you know... How can you blame them, Harvey? When when, when I, I don't, <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I just think. So why uh, isn't Biden doing more? Anybody have an answer? Uh, he's a creature. You know, he's he's very consistent with the way he's been for the his fifty years in public life. So uh, he, he's he's a, he's a creature of the system, and and uh, he, he you know. He, he pretty much does what the donors tell him they want him to do. You know, everything he did in COVID related to healthcare was literally uh, directly from the lobbyists uh, in health insurance lobby oh, handbook. You know? we, re we really needed a Bernie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we really needed a Bernie. But you um, know what? The, the Democratic establishment. It made it very clear to me, and it had been clear, they would far prefer to see Trump reelected than to see Bernie, because yeah. he would be more of a threat to their, their, their little game they play. So where do you think things are going, Jackie? Um, I don't, I am not optimistic, Jim. Yeah. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm out here with my old self doing everything I can conceivably think to do. I'm surrounded with with young adults that are amazing. They're brilliant, you know. They're full of passion, mm -hmm. and I I try to keep them. Um, and that's with path rounded. Yeah, yeah. They're with path. Um, I when I see them kind of just getting like flying off the handle, you know, I have to kind of reel them in mm -hmm. so they can stay focused and not engage in, 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 in too much emotion. Um, I love them being passionate, but I don't want them losing focus on mm. the things that need to get done. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I, I absolutely love them all and their energy and their brilliance. And I'm trusting and hoping and praying that they can do something that we did not. And I'm just yeah. hoping the company, the country can, hang in there long enough for the current crop of uh, octogenarians and their fellow travelers. The die off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can get this, you know, we can get this generation that you're talking about that I see and I'm so encouraged by to be people with some power. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's and I think say. that is the greatest fear of Republicans. Yeah. They see what's coming down the line. That's why they're doing everything they're doing to, you know, cement their. Uh, if they could rule by apartheid, they would. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, they would. Sure. Apartheid. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and we had we had a guest on Nick Moturn all oh, about a month and a half ago, and we we were talking about defense spending, uh -huh. but but he brought up a good point that I'd never really thought about, but I should have. When he said 
Um, national health care, national health care. If it w- if we were an all white country, you betcha we'd have national health care. Yeah. But because we're not, because we're a diverse country, because we have people of color, well, no. And he was just he was just linking it that, you know, the defense spending, along with not being able to get a national health care system, a Medicare for all system, just because of a white supremacy yeah, attitude. Within it's the like, um, I forget her book, but she was talking about that fabulous swimming pool that was in Montgomery, Alabama, back in the 60s. And after when, integra- when integration happened and mm-hmm. people had to open this fabulous pool that all the white people were accustomed to enjoying every summer, when they had to open it up to everyone, they buried that thing. Filled it up with concrete. They, they it it over. At the pool in Centennial Park. Yeah. 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 There, yeah, nope, not anymore. Now, over on Richland, off off of Charlotte, there was a pool there, now it's tennis court, right? Uh, everywhere you go. I will say for Charleston, they have a lot of public pools and they're integrated and they're great, and I really miss it because in Nashville, you got to spend a lot of money if you want to have a pool, you know, you do. Well, you know, and speaking of that, we're going to have a show later in the month in Prince Edward County, Virginia. When there was forced integration of schools, Brown v. Board. They that's were right. The, they were one of the plaintiffs. They they shut down public schools. And yeah. Oh yeah, I know that story. Yep. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, it, we're going to so, have a show on that this week, this in February. Oh yeah, really? Th- yeah. yeah. And so that's what you know. That's the level that we're talking about. It's the, madness. Yeah. And and I just, you know, I just don't I'm hope I'm hopeful because you gotta have a certain flicker of hope. You do. Or or you you, you do you won't keep going. You won't keep going. So Jackie, we've kept you about an hour. In fact, yes, about an hour. You we've been on about an hour. Uh what what did you want to say that you didn't get to get a chance to say? What I would say to people in Nashville is there is another Nashville. There's another Nashville that most of you don't have a clue about. And, and, and I would like for, for some of you to become intentional about finding an organization that you know is directly pouring into the lives of people who we know are the least of these. Um, find a way to volunteer if you can. If you can't, then you can give. Uh, we have town hall meetings frequently. Um, follow us. Um, come on some of our town hall meetings. We, we, we have a displacement fund now that we've been building. I think we're up to a very modest around $15,000. I mean, yeah, around $15,000. But what we're doing with this displacement fund is as we move people we're investing in them um, minimally as much as we can afford. If we find a mother that has children that don't sleep in beds, they sleep in like pallets on the floor, we're buying beds nice. for the children. Um, if there's no table and chairs to eat it at the house and they would like a table and chair, we're buying tables and chairs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting a lot of donations that come in and then some things that we purchase new. But what I'm finding is as as we relocate the people out of River Chase and we take them somewhere where they feel human, River Chase is full of rats and roaches, leaking faucets, black mold, um, everything that you can think of that is wretched and, and harmful, it's at River Chase Apartments. Yeah. So people have been accustomed to living almost subhuman. And like I have three mothers that let me know that they've gotten promotions. Well, I know as a mental health professional, that's my past life, that they are beginning to feel good about themselves as human beings. And that is transferring into their work productivity. So it's it's things that we take for granted that 
are much more meaningful than we realize. So I'm investing, uh, PATH as an organization is investing in people um, to make them feel more like people yeah. and, and, and less like, you know, the wretched of the earth, which they are not, but it's how so often they find themselves mm -hmm. being treated. So this has become, you know, a real joy for us to have people give gently worn furniture um, to us or donate funds for us to buy the things that we need, secure bedding, get blankets, get pillows, just stuff that you and I take for granted um, mm -hmm. that mean the world you know, to a child who's accustomed to sleeping on the floor, who now has a bed to get in, you know, nice. at nighttime and a, and a table to um, sit at to, to eat a meal. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, these things are important to us because we know they are the beginning of changing lives. Yeah. I just want people to be more aware um, that, there's more to Nashville than your immediate circle, your immediate surroundings. There's a whole nother city within a city that many of you may mm -hmm. not be aware of. Find ways to connect to other people that are somewhat different from you. So Jackie, we always end with a song. I think you know that, if you can ah. remember. So do you have a song that could relate to what we've been talking about that uh, you'd like us to finish up the show with? Um, a song that 50 years ago, it, well, 51 now, 1971, Marvin Gaye did his album, What's Going On. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of what he sang about back then uh -huh. is exactly what is going on yeah. right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is tragic. Yeah. That that song is still so relevant. What's mm -hmm. going on? So we will leave it there. And we really appreciate friend of the show coming back on the show, Jackie Sims of PATH Nashville. And if you want to help PATH, all you have to do is search on the website. And that website is pathnashville.org. That is P-A-T-H-E. Nashville, all one word, dot org. And just search the website. All right, with that, here's Marvin Gaye. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, brother, brother. There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some loving here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate You see, war is not the answer For only love Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see
simply calls out Harry. 